The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. Peace and blessings, everyone. Peace and blessings. Welcome to the Right Authority Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Carr Sr., also known as the KCOG. What are you doing with this program? Well, I'm building an intelligent agenda to move African and and indigenous people living in America to empower themselves and their community. Our goal is to dismantle white supremacy until one understands white supremacy, what it is and how it works Anything and everything else that you understand will only confuse you. Neely Fuller Jr. Look him up. Got a little local update on Keith Carnes, brother incarcerated for over two decades for a crime he says he did not commit in the murder of Larry White. Um, the brother is getting uh, a little attention from the uh, Missouri Supreme Court, who's taking a second look at his case. Hopefully we can uh, get the brother's case reopened. And... Uh, get him exonerated for a crime he did not commit. Also, Kansas City School District has reclaimed its accreditation after 22 years. Um, KC uh, school, uh, Public School Superintendent uh, Mark Bedell um has been in the helm of the Kansas City Public Schools for the last six years and has done pretty much yeoman's work to turn the Kansas City School District around. And again, it is a fully, fully accreditation, full accreditation after 22 years, actually, 22 years of no accreditation. So congratulations to uh, the superintendent for getting that taken care of. We're going to go ahead and dive into our subject today. And our subject today is how to brainwash a nation in four steps. Part three, destabilization. We're going to do a quick uh, recap on part two, demoralization. You got to understand you have to be demoralized first 
and then they can come in and destabilize your country. Demoralization takes about 30 to 35 years to brainwash a generation of children. According to Yuri Brezminov, a subversive agent from the Soviet Union, We also heard from educator Charlotte Isabet, who explained to us that the current education system uh, educates on behaviors, behaviors, using the Cuban Soviet model of school to institution, work, or penal institution. She also noted that the education school or the education model currently used is Marxist and pure evil. And then we heard from Dr. John Henry Clark, who explained that public education is designed to train for train you for corporate America. It doesn't educate you to do for self. Why? Would the oppressor educate you to take away his his power? Clark continues to say, if you are truly educated, you would be the master of yourself. You will lead yourself to power. Then we heard from Dr. Amos Wilson, who stated education is designed to solve your problems and that the current education system teaches you to solve white folks problems not your own modern education teaches you to be in service to white power and the other side of the corn of demoralization is the the great social divide and again because uh Brezmanov was doing this interview in 85 and he said it took about 30 years and he also acknowledged that it was already taking root here in the United States. Uh, We're going back to the 1950s to take a look at the great social divide and for all of you who are pretty much aware, you understand that the 1950s is when the civil rights movement kicked off. But before we get into the struggle of our country here at home, we have to recognize that also going on in the so-called third world countries, uh, they were shedding the yoke of imperialism and colonialism also in the 50s and 60s. In Africa, 17 countries declared their independence. And right here in uh, 90 90 miles off our shores, Uh, 90 miles off our shores, the uh, Cuban Revolution was taking place in the 50s from 1953 to 1959, including the Bay of Pigs that was launched by um, mercenary mercenary groups from the the U.S. uh, in Cuba uh, during Kennedy's first year in office. Uh, That attempt failed because Kennedy did not provide the air cover that they needed once they were on the beach uh, to get in position to actually 
kick off the coup. So I believe that was one of the reasons that Kennedy may have been assassinated. And before we move on to Kennedy, a nice little tidbit for you guys to check out is his father, Joe Kennedy. A lot of people don't know that Joe Kennedy was a gangster himself. Joe Kennedy ran bootleg liquor up and down the Atlantic coast doing prohibition. Check that out. Also, what was hot in the 50s and 60s was mind control. Uh, it, mind control here in the U.S. was sponsored by the CIA's Alan Dulles and Sidney Gallup. Please Google MK Ultra Bluebird Artichoke. MK Ultra Bluebird Artichoke. Now, what's important here is that the art of mind control was invented by the Nazis and the Japanese during World War II, but it was perfected by the Chinese, the Soviets, and the North Koreans during the Korean War. What had happened was that POWs from America was coming home and they were literally espousing the rhetoric of their Korean captives. Wanted to renounce their American citizenship. And the U.S. was just blown away with the effectiveness of this mind control technique that was used during the Korean War. So naturally, as I said, the CIA's Alan Dulles uh, commissioned MKUltra on our shores. And there's more to that, and I'll kind of piece that together for you a little bit later, but uh, stay with me on that and make sure y'all Google that. Now, check this out. In order to do the mind control, they had to use psychopathic, psycho, uh, psychopathic drugs in order to uh, move their process of brainwashing along. So with that, they would do things like issue you drugs like LSD, also known as acid, magic mushrooms, mescaline, cocaine, and heroin. Now, you have to keep one thing in mind here that this is the CIA, which is the intelligence arm of the United States of America. And they generally do this through the military. In fact, they held these experiments on their own recruits coming into the military for special forces training to see how well they would respond 
to the brainwashing techniques. Now, with that said, if you want to know where these drugs came from, uh, they all came from nature in its original form, but they were manufactured by our military and intelligence community. Hmm? Acid, magic mushrooms, mescaline, cocaine, and heroin. Yes. Beginning to see the picture from our military now. Now, another shift that took place during that time as we move into the 60s is the shift of the Dixocrats to the Republican Party. Now, if you don't know what a Dixiecrat is, that is a Democrat from a southern state during that time. Keep in, you got to keep the time period in mind. 1964. We're in the 1960s. Yes, keep the time period in mind. There was also the rise again of race politics with Barry Goldwater facing off against the Dixiecrat Lyndon Johnson. <clears throat> and of course, Barry Goldwater was the Republican. You got to tie all this together to where we are today, folks. Very gold water, very important. Move it forward with Johnson after the killing of Kennedy, in which Johnson was his VP. The Civil Rights Act of 1964, Johnson signed into law, as well as the Voting Rights Acts of 1965. But keep in mind the Johnson administration was known as racist. That's why you they didn't make the Voting Rights Act of 1965 permanent. We had to vote on it again 25 years later and then we've been voting for it almost every four to eight years whatever Congress said on it. During this time, same year, 1965, we had the killing of Malcolm X. We also had the writings and um, killing of George Jackson. We had the civil rights movement now moving toward the black power movement with their youth movement or youth group of the civil rights movement, the uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, also known as SNCC broke away into the bro the black power movement that was first coined by uh, Brother Stokey Carmichael and was, uh, Brother Willie, Willie Ricks with the with stick. Also there was the creation of the uh, Loud County Freedom Party that used a black panther as its symbol. Snake was working with this group in the South and uh, I believe Mississippi. 
and one brother by the name of Huey Newton and Bobby Seals contacted them and said, hey, we starting a new political party out here. Can we borrow that symbol of the Black Panther? Brothers agreed to do so, and the Black Panther Party uh, was born, as well as the Black Liberation Movement from 1966 to 1972. Also considered the escalation of the Vietnam War by Johnson and the rise of the anti-war, anti-draft movement that was going on at that time. Now, to counter the anti-war, anti-draft movement, the CIA invented the hippie movement. Yes, you heard me. The CIA invented the hippie movement. You want some information on that? You can uh, strange scenes and... Um, by David McGowan, McGowan, David McGowan, M-C, capital G-O-W-A, Strange Scenes in um, Hollywood Hills, uh, what is it? Um, it's a shame, good note. But uh, in this book, he talks about how the CIA invented the entire hippie movement in in Los Angeles, up in the hills of Los Angeles, where all the 60s folk and anti-war music came out. Now, because I don't have that information in front of me right now, uh, do check out that book and let me get it for you real quick. Boy, sorry about that, y'all. Weird scenes inside the canyon. Laurel Canyon Covert Ops, The Dark Heart of the Hippie Dream by David McGowan. Check that book out. It exposes how the CIA created the entire hippie movement. And there's another little juicy nugget in there for y'all later on, but we'll get to that later on. Uh, Keeping it moving along here, um, Vietnam was, of course, our second longest and most expensive war with $843.63 billion spent and 58,220 dead. In 1968 was the year of murder. MLK, who spoke out against the Vietnam War in April 1967, 
RFK, who wanted to reopen the investigation into his brother's death, that's Robert F. Kennedy, were both killed in, uh, shoot, in the spring and summer of 1965. Or 68, I'm sorry, 1968. Also in 1968, you had the U.S. National Commission on Civil Disorder, also known as the Kerner Commission, which uh, adjourned on March 1968 and declared America as black and white, separate and unequal. The Kerner Commission was put together after uh, African people burned down cities uh, across this nation from 1965 to 1968, social unrest, social division. They were already looking into it, trying to figure out what to do with us. Then in 1968, after the killing of King, it really exploded. King was killed one month after the Colonel, the Kerner Commission reached its conclusion that America was black and white, separate and unequal. 1968 was also the year, the year of the election of Tricky Dick Nixon. Before we get deep into Nixon, I'm going to let y'all know that there is a a lady by the name of Mae Brussel who did this type of thing podcast in, uh, back then in uh, the 70s and the 60s and was doing a podcast about Nixon, doing Nixon when he was in, in office. Her name is Mae Brussel. Nice little piece. What she tipped us off on is that Nixon was, uh, of course, was in the Navy. Nixon was Navy intelligent. He was part of the OSS, that's the old uh, CIA prior to the CIA, and a part of what's called Operation Paperclip. Very important that y'all look up Operation Paperclip. Operation Paperclip. You gotta look this up, guys. You gotta look it up. Now, Operation Paperclip is all the Nazi scientists, medical teams, and engineers that left Nazi Germany and came in to America to evade. And America wanted these people, okay? You have to understand, they went after and recruited these people and brought them into America. Operation Paperclip, look it up. Several things about Nixon during this time that caused a lot of social dis- dissension. Um, first of all, you have to uh, look that Nixon did end the Vietnam War, but he ended the Vietnam War after the veterans uh, started talking about the war and started talking about the uh, drugs, the heroin, the prostitution, the mass murder, the racism, and the corruption that was going on in Vietnam. Don't forget me lie. Look it up. Me lie. 
as well as stories starting to break of the illegal war, the illegal war that was going on in Laos and Cambodia, which was led by Henry Kissinger, a German Jew. And I'm pointing that out not to be racist, but to let you know who these people are. And Nixon, okay? Henry Kissinger's family escaped Nazi Germany when he was a child. Also under Nixon that went down, uh, and the most important thing that Nixon did was he took the country off the gold standard. In other words, he devalued your money. Nixon took the country off the gold standard, and the only thing that your currency is connected to now is your faith in it. Important thing to show the social divide that was going on during this particular time frame is the 1970 Kent State Massacre. Four students and nine, nine unarmed students wounded by the Ohio National Guard. Look that up. Kent State. K-E-N-T State. Went down in 1970. I forgot about the crazy, immoral 1968 Democratic uh, uh, Democratic Convention that went down in Chicago uh, that uh, ended up with the jailing of Bobby Seals and uh, seven of the uh, protesters that uh, were arrested and charged with uh, uh, exciting a riot. Ugly, ugly mess. Um, And all this kicked off as the Black Panther Party with Bobby Seals was there to uh, support their movement and the protests of the uh, convention because for whatever reason, they wanted to keep the protesters out of earshot of the convention goers and set up barricades to keep them uh, at a distance. And, of course, the protesters wanted to be closer to what was going on so that they could protest. And as that broke open and they went into the streets, uh, all hell broke loose. And as all hell broke loose with the police and the protesters, guess who comes uh, merrily skipping in and and singing their songs and and all the, the flower power, the hippies. And all that did was cause the whole scene to escalate. Uh, so um, I forget what they're, they are called. I don't have that in front of me at this time, so do forgive me. But if you want to look that up, you want to look it up under the 1968 Democratic National Convention that was held in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, then Nixon is most famous for he is the only president of the United States that that resigned while he was in office. That's right. He was the only president that resigned in office. Now, here's the sneaky, tricky part of what Tricky Dick did. 
His vice president took over as the president of the United States and immediately pardoned Nixon of all crimes associated with Watergate after taking office. Now, do keep in mind there was another scandal that went on during the Nixon administration with his VP, Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson Rockefeller. There was a scandal involved in him, and he had to step down as the VP. And at that point, Nixon picked Gerald Ford to finish out the term. And that was before Watergate broke. We're going to jump on in and keep this thing moving as quick as I can. The 1973 oil prices jumped from some 350% due to the energy crisis and the economic turndown of the 1970s. So you can get the economic side of what was going on as well with all the social decision social division, the war, and now you have the economic term that all these things were going on during the 70s at this point. Several factors contributed to the energy crisis and the economic turndown. Number one was America's greed for cheap fuel. America's greed for cheap fuel. The foreman of OPEC OPEC, O-P-E-C, and the oil embargo of 1973. Third was the production of oil in the U.S. is now at peak. They ain't pumping no more oil, y'all, here in the United States. It's at peak. It's all gone. It's dried up. Also, according to Richard Wolff, American wages here in the United States in the 1970s peaked. Now, that's right. In the 1970s, American workers' wages peaked, hit the summit was at its top. From there, the wages started to fall. Basically because uh, U.S. corporate America was so damn greedy with their profits, they literally squeezed out the union workers. Most union jobs that were available and well-paying jobs in the 60s and 70s began to get squeezed out and sent offshore. The other side of that is that corporate America, the finance system, figured out something called revolving debt and credit cards. After they realized American workers could no longer keep up with the rising cost of living because their one household salary didn't stretch that far. It also caused the wife 
for the first time since World War II to be employed outside the home, 1970s. So you have the peaking of debt, uh, excuse me, the peaking of workers' wages in the 1970s. You have the pushing out of union jobs, jobs leaving the United States. Uh, this is the uh, steel uh, manufacturing jobs, a lot of textile jobs, all those type of jobs were beginning to leave the United States in the 1970s. Because we couldn't keep up with the cost of living, we started using the plastic. And that's when our debt began to rise. The debt ratio to income started to rise. Also at this point, because we were spending all this money in war and um, trying to stabilize the um, whole oil situation with OPEC, we used up all our oil reserves. Uh, we asked people to conserve. Uh, anybody that was driving in the 1970s, uh, around 1976, 77, 78, can tell you about it. Prior to that time, gas was like 50 cents a gallon. Even lower when I first started. I remember gas as low as 25 cents a gallon. Okay, moving that on. Um, so we get the women out in the workforce as well. Now, you begin to see that through a generation, we have started to educate in a, in a way of behaviors instead of a way of teaching uh, real education. They were giving you the basic things you needed to be to be to use in society and they were pretty much preparing you to go to work in Amer in American factories or low paying jobs that's what they were preparing you to do back then they also uh, because of all that money was spending everywhere else the uh, uh, US welfare policy uh, which was already destroying the black family and created generations of black uh, welfare mothers, both black and white, you understand. Uh, the U.S. government began to start to cut these, uh, these programs in the 80s. Then uh, to throw on top of all this other stuff that went down in the 60s and the 70s, you have J. Edgar Hoover's Secret War on Political Freedom and Democracy. Now, J. Edgar Hoover goes back a ways. You got to realize J. Edgar Hoover was the guy that collared uh, uh, Marcus Garvey back in 1925 when he was a young G-man. Then we find out in 1975 through an accidental break-in where they thought they were getting some information on um, on one thing and end up stealing FBI files. Um, 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 it, it, it's very weird, but it was a break-in. And what happened with those FBI files, they were then published into a book called Cold Intel Pro that published first in 1975. Now, you can look all this stuff up, guys. I'm not telling you anything that you can't find. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover's Secret War on Political Freedom and Democracy, 
COINTEL Pro published first in 1975. This was the FBI secret war against the U.S. Communist Party, the Black Panther Party, including Malcolm X and MLK, Nation of Islam, the Socialist Workers' Party of the United States, the American Indian Movement, and the Puerto Rican Independent Movement, as well as the New Republic of New Africa, were all under surveillance by the FBI. Whole point, control the political thinking of America. Is that fascist or not? J. Edgar Hoover. I'm going to give you J. Edgar Hoover's little secret, and then I'm going to move on. Hoover's assistant was a guy by the name of Clyde Tolson. And Tolson was more than his assistant. Organized crime had found out uh, Hoover's little secret because organized crime caught Hoover in a very compromising position with Clyde Tolson. And let's just call it a devil in a blue dress. Hmm. Going to have to dig some digging to find that one, my friends. Now, you guys begin to see the immoral, uh, immoral, the demoralizing behavior of our government and the beginning of the economic uh, inventions of consumerism. Because, guys, keep in mind with the invention of plastic. Uh, as well as, of course, uh, cold cash, uh, we became consumers. Keep in mind, most of our jobs went offshore. Manufacturing left the United States in the 70s and 80s. Those jobs went. We also had something called NAFA to make sure that those jobs went offshore. Okay. Keep in mind, the oil industry in Oklahoma and, and the southern states all throughout the United States was dying. We were at peak. No more oil in the ground. Okay? The steel was doing great. Carnegie and them guys built up the steel industry, and it was amazing all the way up until the 70s and 80s when they start selling it off. Letting it go overseas because they didn't want to pay their workers. It was cheaper to buy the, the steel overseas. And then they created the service economy. Restaurant job, hotel jobs grew like crazy in the 70s and 80s. Okay, at this point, I'm gonna, uh, that's our recap on everything that went down on, on part one. We're gonna go ahead and get into uh, what Bresmanoff is saying about the three ways the country will become uh, destabilized. 
That is through foreign policy, the economy, and wars. So why don't you give me a moment and we'll hear directly from uh, Bezmanov. The next stage is destabilization. This time, Subverter does not care about your ideas, not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation. Uh, it's what what matters is essentials: economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, uh, the influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. He said he could not believe that it would go that fast. That fast. Can you believe that? In 14 years. Now, he, this interview was again done in 1985. So in 14 years, that goes back to the 1970s. And he said, Foreign policy and the economy already had Marxist ideology involved. Look at the uh, U.S. foreign policy or foreign relation, foreign policy in this case. He used the word foreign relation. The other thing he said before I go there is that notice he said that he didn't care what you thought or if you ate junk food and got fat and sloppy. I mean, you can kind of see that going on right now today. They're not really concerned about your health. They don't tell you that fast food is bad for your health. They don't tell you that the uh, soda and diet soda is bad for your health. They don't tell you those things. They wait until you get sick and then you go to the hospital and start paying a whole lot of money to them to get well. Important point to realize what he was saying back then. And if you look at where we are today, citizens, uh, do you guys remember all the, the, the campaigning that was done against the bailout in 2007-2008, how people were literally calling their congressmen, calling their senators, and what did they all do? They all did the bailout. You can hear the outcry in like the voters' right, uh, the voting act that Biden is pushing right now. You can still hear the outcry uh, on the sane side of the aisle on the insane side of the aisle, you still hear them saying that the elections were rigged. And you already heard me tell y'all that all elections are rigged. So this is nothing new. But America's foreign policy, 
The business of America is business. And from the imperial part of corporate America, that business is around oil, oil, minerals, precious metals, diamonds, drugs, money laundering, murder, human and child sex trafficking, assassination, loan sharking, and what they call vulture capitalism. Now, before I go into vulture capitalism, for everything else I just mentioned above, you need to go find a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. It is a tale of extortion, assassination, and supporting uh, fascist regimes. Vulture capitalism is where um, financial companies uh, will go into bankrupt companies. Uh, basically, these are African or or Latin American countries, or in some cases, uh, uh, some Asian countries, where the country is now break bankrupt. Uh, and if you follow the conf- confessions of an economic hit man and the things they do, once uh, they get to the point where uh, you are not cooperating with our desires and our needs for our corporate America, what they will do is they will try to buy you out. And if you show to have morals or some type of scruples and you will not accept a buyout, the next thing they will try to do is to, uh, what's the old saying they had in the street, get down or lay down? The next thing they're going to do is lay you down. Okay? Once they lay you down, and if they fail to do that, the next thing they do is send in their military. Well, generally, before it gets to the point to where they lay you down, the vulture capitalists come in, and what they do is they buy off the debt at a very cheap rate, pennies on the dollar. Those capitalists then take that debt and resell that debt to make their money. And then what happens is the new financial institution that took that debt turns around and comes right back after that country to finish paying whatever portion of the debt is left. And that's pretty much why it's called vulture capitalism because they're pretty much picking your bones clean. You're dead. And they're picking you clean. Um, That's again, you can find that in the uh, confessions of an economic hit, hit man. Uh, Vulture Capitalism is a book of itself. I do apologize. Uh, it, it is literally called Vulture Capitalism. Um, you can look that up online and you can check into that as well. Uh, I'm going to slide over into Iran-Contra and we kind of hit a little bit of that because of... Um, We had to cover that with the Bush administration and the things that were going on there. So if you're not, again, familiar with Iran-Contra, it was uh, 
the Iran part of it was that we were to, uh, for re- for holding the release of the hostages until Reagan became president, the U.S. would then uh, give Iran uh, or sell to Iran the military uh, parts they needed for their uh, depleted air force and helicopters in exchange for them buying uh, whatever uh, weapons Iran felt that they need they could buy from the United States. That's the Iran part of it. Um, The contra side of that is where Bush took the money coming in from the sale of the weapons to Iran and bought more weapons in which he gave to the Contras in Nicaragua and they in turn traded cocaine to the U.S. government who then put that cocaine on the streets of uh, the United States of America and if you want to see that portion of the Iran-Contra affair, I suggest that you read Dark Alliance with the Sun Mercury News by Gary Webb. And the real story of Rick, Ro- Rick Ross by the real Rick Ross. You can also see Michael C. Rupert's Crossing the Rubicon. And you can get the information I just gave you uh, with the second half of the Contras. Now, we all know that Bush was the guy that worked the Contra side of the Iran-Contra affair. Because everyone that they, uh, McFarland, Ollie North, uh, all the players reported to Bush. Okay. Now, another very interesting thing you may know is that Bush was putting incredible uh, pressure on Manuel Noriega, Noriega of Panama. Uh, to do more drug running for the United States. Now, Noriega by no means is a clean dictator, president, or whatever he was in Panama. He wasn't clean. He was involved in the drug trade too. But what, um, what Bush was trying to get him to do was to set it up so that the complete drug trade came through Central America and was controlled by Bush's puppets. Okay. And he thought Noriega was one of those puppets. Well, Noriega refused to do so. Uh, he had a real tight relationship going on with, uh, some of the, uh, his brothers in Central America, I believe, especially Colombia, um, and if I remember correctly, um, I know Colombia was one of his allies, as well as El Salvador, I do believe. Now, again, you can look this stuff up by, uh, just look up uh, Emmanuel 
Noriega. Emmanuel, or Manuel, I'm sorry, Manuel Noriega. Just look him up and the Panama War. And do keep in mind that he was convicted here in the United States in Miami of drug trafficking. Also, I want you to see uh, Mena, Arkansas, and one Bill Clinton. Look that up. A uh, very interesting tale of drug cocaine distribution in Mena, Arkansas, uh, particularly when there are some very well-known pilots that are flying in and out of uh, Mena, Arkansas in military or force planes, cargo planes. Okay? Look that up. Mena, Arkansas. Okay? And the cocaine trade. Now, economy and what was going down in the economy with the stock market okay because you got to see all these things are tying together these things are constantly destabilizing our country okay so just looking at the number of stock market crashes itself is mind-blowing for our country I mean, really mind-blowing. Um, you'd be surprised. Here we go. Okay, where's all those? Here we go. Y'all stay with me here. Let me bring this up real quick. Now, just so you guys know what's up here, I just went in and I Googled list of stock market crashes and, and excuse me, a list of stock market crashes and bear markets. Okay. So we're not going to go through the entire history because there's a lot of that. And as I get into this, I want you guys to do research on two individuals. Okay. Nathan Meyer. Rothschild, that's Nathan Meyer Rothschild, and one George Soros. And the reason I want you to do the research on those two is I want you to look at how they made their money, okay? And the reason for that is that I want you to understand that the stock market can be manipulated to do what the extremely rich wants it to do. Okay. So let's take a look at it. And we're going to take a look at this now. Um, we're going to take it from. Um, we're going to go after the Great Depression. World War II and all that. We're going to come right up to the Kennedy slide of 1962. Known as a flash crash of the 1962 uh, a flash crash of 1962. 
Okay, and then we're going to look at all the ones that 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 took place 1973 to 1970 more 74 the stock market crash uh lasting 23 months dynamic dynamic rise in oil prices the minor strike and the downfall of health government 1973 okay and then we have the black monday of october 19th 1987 uh, this market, Black Monday, after a 7% drop of trading, would be suspended for 15 minutes. Within the same 15 minutes, suspension kicking, it, kicking in after a 13% drop in uh, trading. And then they will do the same thing again, shut it down for 15 minutes. But however, if it reaches 20% drop in trading, they will shut down the uh, trading for the remainder of the day. That happened again on Monday, uh, October 19th, 1987. Uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro also went into a... Uh, a, a, a crash with their stock in 1989 and then Friday the 13th the mini crash y'all might remember that that was October 13th 1989 where a failed leverage bailout of United Airlines caused the crash okay um, uh, man that was something and then back in early 1990 we began with the recession uh, starting on July of 1990 uh, and keep in mind, this is what was going down. We already went through some of this. Iraq invaded, invaded Kuwait in July 1990, causing oil prices to increase. The Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average dropped 18% in three months from um, 2,911.63 on July 3rd to 2,308 million dot 99 on October 16, 1990. This recession lasted approximately eight months. Um, and then the Japanese had a bubble that burst. And then we had uh, Black Wednesday, September 16, 1992. The conservative government, uh, this is in Brit Britain, was forced to withdraw the pound sterling from the European exchange rate mechanism. Uh, then the Asian financial market followed suit in 1997 with a crash. And then we had October 27th, 1997, again a mini crash. The global stock market crash that was caused by an economic crisis in Asia. And the uh, Asia uh, economic crisis uh, went on uh, in July of 1997. Just uh, prior to that, investors deserted uh, emerging uh, Asian shares, including an overheated uh, Hong Kong stock market. Uh, the crash occurred in Thailand, Indonesia, South Korea, and the Philippines, and elsewhere, reaching an 
in climax in October 27, 1997 to the U.S. mini crash. And then 1968, the Russian financial, uh, 1998, the Russian financial crisis uh, went down where the Russian government devalues the ruble, uh, defaults on domestic debt, and declares a moratorium on payment to foreign uh, creditors. They just pretty much gave y'all the finger, didn't they? Uh, then you had the dot-com bubble of March 10th, 2000. Okay, and 2000 was a crazy year. Y'all remember uh, Y2K and all that? Uh, collapse of, uh, of the technology bubble because everybody thought uh, all the computers were going to crash on, uh, on uh, January 1, 2000 uh, because the computers did not have an internal way of turning the year to the year 2000. Get out of here. You can't be that dumb as a manufacturer, but... They said it was true, but it never happened. Then you had the economic uh, effects of September 11th attacks that caused a, um, well, of course, when somebody in September 11th is is uh, putting put options on uh, on American Airlines and uh, uh, United Airlines, which is the, you're betting that their stock is going to slide. And then September 11th hit, and guess what? September 11th caused global stock markets to drop sharply. The attacks themselves caused approximately $40 billion in insurance losses, making it one of the largest insured events ever. You know, there was a lot of shenanigans with the uh, World Trade Center and the way it was in- insured. Uh, again, uh, you might want to do a little 9-11 truth and go in and check out what's going on with 9-11. And then we have the stock, stock market turndown of 2002. Uh, that was on September. Uh, October, this, there's a pattern here. It seems like in October, there's always something going on. October 9th, 2002. Uh, the downturn in stock prices doing uh, the stock exchanges across the United States, Canada, Asia, and Europe. After recovering from lows reached following the September 11th attacks, indices, indexes slid steadily starting in March 2002 with dramatic, uh, dramatic declines in July and September leading to lows Last reached in 1997 and 1998. See the stock market turned down of 02. And then you have the Chinese stock market bubble of 2007. And of course, this is what they're going to blame the whole um, U.S. stock market, uh, bear market of 2007-09 and the clash. Uh, uh, I remember that. That's... Uh, Again in October 11, 2007. Why in October? Uh, from their peak in October 2007 until the uh, closing lows in early March 2009, uh, Dow, Dow, Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, NASDAQ, and Composite, the S&P 500, all suffered declines of over 50% marking the worst stock market crash since the Great Depression. 
And again, that was on 11 October 2007. That was the big bailout. Y'all know all about that crap. Uh, this led to the financial crisis of 2007-2008, uh, where, of course, we had the... Um, The big bailout that was actually signed into law by George W. Bush, but then uh, TARP was pretty much managed and doled out under the Obama administration. Uh, that's just to give you an idea of what's going on there. There's more. There's much more. We're going to go ahead and slide this over until the next piece of this, which is war. Uh, this is amazing that I found this out. Since 1976, the United States have been in 225 wars or conflicts out of 243 years of existence. And for you, those of you who like a little percentage, that's about 92%. Since 1776, this country, since its existence... 92% of the time has been involved in a war. And the wars are many, 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 many. Um, I'm not going to jump into all of them. You know about Vietnam. Um, we talked about a little bit of the Korean War. Everybody knows about the two World War II wars. But there were many, many wars in between that. I'll give you a little bit of idea. You know about Iran. You know about Afghanistan. Do keep in mind, Afghanistan war in itself was estimated at the high end to cost American taxpayers $5.8 trillion. On the low end, $2.4 trillion. Um... Of course, the war on Iraq, uh, the cost of a war, the intervention in Haiti, uh, the Bosnian War, the uh, intervention in Somalia, uh, the no-fly operation in Iraq, uh, the Gulf War, the United States invasion of Panama, and the Persian Gulf War, uh, the tanker war or that was done in the Persian Gulf. You also had the bombing of Libya in 1986, Grenada in 1983, the invasion of Grenada, the multi, uh, multinational intervention in Libyan, Levion, I'm sorry, and Cambodia Civil War. <coughs> the Cambodia Civil War of 1966 to 1975. Now, war costs money. Real quick. Uh, I think I gave you a little bit of this already, but uh, let's get this moving so that we can get on to the meat of the real program. War costs money. Uh, 2019 war budget was $731.75 billion. You heard me say that the Afghan war cost upwards to 5.8 as low as $2.4 trillion. Okay. Uh, the budget for the U.S. Air, uh, the United States uh, Department of Defense is the number one defense budget in the world. The second closest defense budget is uh, Saudi Arabia with 61.87 billion, where the U.S. is 
$31.75 billion is our budget. France is third with $50 billion. Uh, Germany with $49 billion. United Kingdom, $48 billion. Japan, $47 billion. You see, defense is big-time money. Okay. Defense spending started being tracked in 1960. At that point, it was $47.35 billion, which was 8.99% of our gross domestic product. Let me tell you that again. 1960, $47.35 billion. 2019, seven. $137.75 billion. Percent of gross natural product is 3.4%. War. Hopefully you guys are starting to get the picture now. Um, don't forget your civil liberties and your constitution was attacked in 2001 with the passage of the USA Patriot Act. Look it up. Go read the document. It gave us homeland uh, security. Uh, homeland security to me sounds like the SS. Uh, also keep in mind with the Patriot Act, it gave our military permission to uh, allow torture, Abel Gray. Um, extraordinary redemption, the closing of borders to Muslim and other expected terrorists. Extraordinary rendition is really something else. That's where they can kill, kidnap you from any country, take you to another country, torture you, get all the information they need. If you don't talk, then they can throw you in the Gitmo. They created no-fly lists, federal driver's license, tougher background checks on passports, and crazy security for all government building from local to federal. There was another shift in Congress, and this is the, the support of bills that are lobbied by corporate America for the benefit of corporate America. Well, let's just say it's for the benefit of corporate America's profits. As well as an ultra-conservative U.S. Supreme Court, which recognized in 2010 that corporations can vote because they are a person. Can we murder a corporation? Okay, just a little something to think about there, y'all. Um, hopefully, you're beginning to get the picture. Uh, yes, 2010 and uh, Citizen United versus the Federal Election Commission. Ain't that a kick in the head? They won.
And now corporations can donate to their favorite candidate, candidate. I believe there's still some cap on the spending, but I'm not 110% about that. But my understanding is they can still vote for their or send money to their favorite candidates. Now, um, man, that was a lot. Hopefully you guys got all this. Um, as we know, the 2007-2008 uh, Wall Street theft was $700 billion of taxpayers' money to the corporations, to the financial centers. Remember, too big to fail. At the same time, they made bankruptcy for the individual much tougher. Look it up, y'all. I'm not kidding, y'all. Biden is from Delaware. Delaware is a credit card haven. Lots of credit cards are headquarters in Delaware. Biden helped push through the bill that made bankruptcy harder for individuals, easier for corporations. Bankruptcy. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap that up right here. That's a lot of information I threw at you. Um, to recap and make sure you got it, uh, Bresmanov was saying, after you demoralize the country, the next step is to destabilize the country. He said the three things that you can look at to tell if a um, – Fascist Marxist government was in place. You could look at the foreign relations or foreign policy, the economy, and the war. We took a look at all three of those. We see that the foreign policy is about making money, about uh, making money as cheaply as corporations can. Uh, it's about drugs. It's about a lot of other things. We see the economy and how the economy is something that is secular. There seems to be a cycle as the economy continues to crash on a regular basis. Also, I told you to look up Nathan Meyer Rothschild. See how he made his money. Also, look up George Soros. See how he made his money. The point of this is to show you that markets can be manipulated. Okay. We went into the wars, the number of wars that we found out that the United States for 92% of its existence has been in some type of military conflict. These wars cost money. We looked at the military budget and the amount of money that was spent out of the military and when you're spending this kind of money on war, that means social programs at home are being cut.
Also included in this era, you, uh, we did talk about the crack era, the rise of gang violence. Once the crack era and the crack started hitting the street, it was the street gangs that was distributing and making the money off of this. Uh, and then all of a sudden, every gang banger was armed with all the weapon weaponry they wanted. Uh, drugs, weaponry went rapid in the 80s and 90s. Uh, then we get the AIDS epidemic that broke out in the early 80s. Again, we believe, I believe, AIDS was a man-made uh, virus. We believe that came out of Fort Dedrick, Maryland, the same as the coronavirus. We believe the coronavirus came out of Fort Dedrick, Maryland. Do your research, check it out program dealing with the coronavirus and the information that was uh, this is that uh, why this was fresh and going on I got some information followed it up and I created a program about it uh, have to get that information out to you and go look at it uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bush family before I get out of here it's very important that y'all understand who these people are I want y'all to google Please Google Prescott Bush and the skull and bones of Geronimo. Prescott Bush, Bush and the skull and bones of Geronimo. Google that. Also Google Prescott Bush and the Union National Bank trading with the enemy. Now, who's Prescott Bush? Prescott Bush is the grandfather of George W., the father of Herbert Walker Bush. Prescott Bush after he got slapped on his hand for trading with the enemy, that's Nazi Germany, y'all. Union National Bank was financing Nazi Germany. Prescott got caught after uh, the United States legally entered the war. At that point, the U.S. government confiscated Union Bank. But before that was done, good old Prescott cleaned it out. Also set up a $1.5 million um, trust fund for George W. Mm -hmm. Not George W., George Herbert Walker. I'm sorry. Let me get that right. And the savings and loan scandals, one of the other scandals that was a financial meltdown here that I might not have covered when I went through my little list, the scandal and loan scandal broke in 1989. But prior to the scandal and loan uh, scandal breaking, um, Jeb Bush in Florida uh, was ripping off a savings and loans there in Florida. And then um, Neil Bush became president of the Silverado Savings and Loan in Colorado. 
at the age of 30. Anyway, by the time Neil got through with the Silverado savings and loan, over $106 million was filtered through into various accounts of Neil Bush proteges, particularly those connected with his JNB investment company. See, these people are crooked. Also, keep in mind that Neil Bush and Jeb Bush, after Jeb left office as governor, but before Jeb left office as governor, Neil Bush took a business plan down to Jeb to create software for the public school system. Say what, Carlos? The public school system. And the name of that company is Ignite. Now, I saw Ignite run a advertisement on TV about a week ago. So the company is still out there. Bush criminal crime family. Everything I told you, you can look it up. If you want to get a lot of juicy details on the Bushes, uh, look for the unofficial autobiography of Herbert Walker Bush. The unofficial autobiography of Herbert Walker Bush. Check that story out. You can uh, Google the Bush family and the savings and loan scandal and watch what comes up. Watch what comes up. Real quick, I'm going to hit on the Keaton Five because a couple of, uh, well, five senators that uh, Charles Keaton Jr. had in his pocket to keep, um, this is also during the uh, SNL scandal, uh, this just happens to take place in uh, California, um, where Keaton buys a, a um, savings and loans and proceeds to uh, rip it off through uh, uh, overpriced uh, real estate deals and properties that he was getting appraised for more than it was worth, getting a loan for the appraisal value and then pocketing the difference, and then, of course, selling the property. So uh, the Keaton Five involved uh, uh, two senators of Arizona at that time, and the one that I want to spotlight is one John um, McCain was involved in that. Uh, Another famous senator from Ohio, was involved in that, and that's one, um, Glenn, um, uh, first man to orbit the Earth here in the United States, um, from Ohio, Glenn, whatever his last name is. Well, anyway, he was also involved uh, with the Keating Five. Uh, during the SNL scandal. Now, the SNL scandal, uh, they estimate, again, that somewhere between uh, 
half a billion to a billion dollars was Cypher off uh, uh, one of the biggest theft of uh, money from the uh, working poor to the elites that has gone down in my lifetime. Now, with that, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'm officially way over from where I really wanted to be. I apologize. Didn't mean to take quite that long to get through all this, but it was very important to give you the full uh, view of what Bresmanov is talking about. Uh, and hopefully uh, you be- can begin to see how the Marxist uh, ideology is now starting to play in our economy, our foreign relations or our foreign policy and war. You can see it plain as day. So that is the part where we are destabilized. Coming up when I uh, talk to you again in a week, we will do crisis and normalization to complete the four steps to destabilize a country. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I'm out of here. You guys have a great night. Peace and blessings. Don't forget, buy a brother a cup of coffee. I support for organizations, any money donated to the work that I do will also go toward supporting those organizations. And just so that you are clear, I support the Patreon, patreon.com slash uh, the mutual aid for black, for, excuse me, patreon.com mutual aid for veteran Black Panther members. I also support the Malcolm X Memorial Foundation, Omaha, Nebraska at www.malcolmxfoundation.org I also support blackpowermedia.org I love the Remix show on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the Remix show. Uh, I also support the Kansas City chapter of the Black United Front Uh, You can get more information at their Facebook at uh, NBuffKC. That's N-B-U-F-K-C. Keep in mind, I share my donations with those four organizations. So feel free to buy a a brother a cup of coffee. And uh, we'll see y'all in about a week. Have a good night. Peace and blessings. I'm out of here. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how a cube going under.